This is episode 35 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Ellen. and welcome. Thanks for taking a little time out of your day to listen to this episode. I'm excited to bring you two conversations to kick off the series we're hosting for March, which is called Becoming a Resilient Mom. In this episode, we're talking about what resilience looks like and why becoming a resilient mom is important. Everyone goes through difficult circumstances and personal struggles, and how we respond to those struggles can have a huge impact on the way we find our way through it. The first half of the show includes Jennifer Van Winkle and Lynn Petty, and three of us talk about our current struggles as moms and the finer details about how to reset a difficult day at home. On the second half of the show, Sarah Allard and I interview Mary-Kate Brown. Mary-Kate has three kids, blogs at choosinggraceblog.com, and shares a very personal and powerful story about walking through the major health challenges that she's endured while mothering her little ones. Together, this episode covers the topic of resilience from the small details of a normal day to the more serious, life-defining journey through a debilitating diagnosis. I hope you're encouraged by these conversations and check out the rest of the series on kindredmom.com. How are you ladies doing today? Doing okay. Good. Yeah, I am sitting here nursing my newborn and um, feeling strong. Mm, so good. I'm glad that things are looking up after a hairy few weeks of <laughs> yes, <laughs> who knows what's going on with the ups and downs. Definitely. I am feeling very grateful for today and just knowing that so much about newborn stuff is just temporary. <laughs> yeah, it is. It changes so quickly. And I just want to welcome you both. Uh, today, I have Jenny Van Winkle and Lynn Patty, and we're going to dig into a new conversation about what it looks like to become a resilient mom. And I just have been thinking today, before starting this podcast interview, I had a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> And I had myself a little cry because today was one of those days for us that has just had challenge after challenge. And it's taken all that I have <laughs> to keep yeah. it together while my kids were awake. And so now that they're down and we're jumping into this conversation, it feels like such appropriate timing to talk about the challenges that we encounter as moms. And so I just want to start with that and come with my own angst and, you know, fury yeah. from a day that was really challenging and ask if you guys can relate <laughs> to that. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yes, ma'am. I feel like I would be lying and a fraud if I sat here and said, no, Emily, what are you talking about? I mean, come on. Yeah. It's just so real. It's yeah. so real. And there's some nights where I, you know, I feel like I'm floating. I don't know if God just helps me float a little bit. And I'm like, no, it wasn't that bad. But there are some nights where I'm like, that was bad, mm. you know? <laughs> so yeah. I totally hear you. And I totally get the 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 idea of grabbing something that tastes good <laughs> because, yes. oh my gosh, it was like last week or the week before there yeah. were, we had some chocolate chip cookies on the counter that I, I ate five cookies that day. And I was like, 
I, I, I don't know. I was like at the first two, I had no, like, I didn't even process that I was eating them. And then like the third one, I was like, I should probably not eat all these cookies. There's only five cookies left. And the last two cookies, I was like, this is actually really good because I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the flavor of this cookie. Yeah. Delicious. My children are over there playing and they don't even know that I'm eating this cookie. No one's asking me for this cookie. And so it just like made it taste that much better. And it was like these five cookies, like the fifth one, really, I didn't need the fifth one. It was more or less like, I can't just leave one cookie left in the box. I can't leave one. At this point, it's about tidying up, you know, and, And so I like how you think, Jenny. <laughs> Joy comes in cookie four and five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Words to live by. Oh, well, I just think this is such a universal experience for mamas who have little ones, especially. And I know for myself, I feel really buried under the needs and demands for my time a lot of the time. And I also just find that I'm running into my limitations and exhaustion. And there's a lot of things that just start poking at my insecurities because I just realize that I can't manage and move forward in the graceful way that I wish that I could, that it's really really uh, a struggle a lot of the time. So I guess I I want to ask, what are some of the things that are hardest for you about your mothering journey, uh, whether that is something that you've been through in the past or something that's really present for you right now? One thing that's really hard for me is the sibling relationships and how, you know, there's just the fighting and the and the absolute disregard sometimes that they have for one another. That's something that's really on my heart a lot tonight. Um, especially with my boys as they, I mean, they're not that old, they're only seven and five, but I just feel like it's just graduating to a different level now. And it's really difficult. Mm -hmm. It just really, it it makes me feel like a bad mom. Mm -hmm. It makes my husband feel like bad dad, you know, it's just like, are we being jerks to them? And that's why they're being jerks to each other. You know, it's just, Ooh, that one is really real for me tonight. Yeah. I feel the same way. A lot of times I feel like I give myself a hard time when I think about how my children are misbehaving and how everyone else's children probably don't misbehave, which is not, it's not (laughs) like, that's not reality, but that's Mm -hmm. how I perceive it in my head, you know? And so I give myself a really hard time going, you didn't do a very good job teaching them because Uh they're, they're obviously not getting it, but they're, they're still young and they're still learning. And I have to give myself a little bit of credit going, the the hard work that you put in every day is not, is not wasted, but Mm -hmm. it can feel that way really easily Uh when, when you don't have the immediate gratification of, Mm -hmm. of your hard work paying off. Yeah, I am. I'm right in there with you, Lynn, as far as sibling relationships. That's the majority of our struggles right now is we have the dynamics of six different personalities and a busy two year old. And I have a couple tough nut personalities in my house. And it's just the it feels like it's never ceasing discord between certain people. And I feel like I'm rolling out solution after solution, after idea, after new skill, after, you know, and when we still end 
the afternoon, evening on a sour note, I just, I just sat here and cried because I'm like, there's no way I can make them. <laughs> I can't make them. I can teach them. I can lead them. I can discipline them. I can give them, you know, new tools all the time. But at the end of the day, so much of how they relate to other people is going to be the choices that they make. And yeah, I guess for me, that's where this conversation is starting from is just seeing that there are a lot of things that are in our control as moms. And then there's a lot of things that are not in our control. And how can we still navigate our lives with a sense of purpose and intention, recognizing that not all circumstances can fall together the way we want them to. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to share a little bit about why I even chose this topic to feature this month on Kindred Mom, because I just think motherhood is one big struggle. There's a lot of beautiful, wonderful, joy-filled things in motherhood, but it's also something that I don't necessarily feel like I came into motherhood realizing how deep of a struggle it was going to be on a very personal level and the everyday challenges that I would encounter with not only caring for the physical well-being of little people, but also just constantly feeling like these heavier emotions of feeling inadequate or not really up to the task, like that I maybe I'm not, maybe I'm just not cut out for this, that kind of feeling. And I'm coming today from a place of like longing, wanting to feel strong, wanting to feel like I have a good groove of things, but I, I'm just right there in the trenches with moms who are feeling overwhelmed. Um, and so I guess I just wanted to begin by talking about what does it look like to be thriving in motherhood? Because I think that I'm thriving, but I also know that at least as it looks from my vantage point right now, that thriving doesn't mean that the challenges cease and the struggle ceases because that's certainly not happening for me right now. It's like the challenges are still here. The struggle is still here. So I wanted to ask you ladies what you think it looks like to be thriving in motherhood. I just wanted to say that I'm still learning this whole thing too. And oftentimes for me, I find that overwhelm takes me by surprise. Mm -hmm. And I I can be trucking along through my day. And I notice when I start to notice little things starting to bug me. Mm -hmm. And I I know that I know now that I if I don't stop and refocus, like stop whatever activity that I am trying to be immersed in, Mm -hmm. and refocus my attention to try and address whatever it is that just keeps like, if it's a kid that keeps asking for something, asking, asking, asking. And in my head, I don't say this out loud, but in my head, I'm like, just go figure out what you need. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like, go, just go figure it out. But I have to like, because I'm, I'm focused on what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and if I stop and, and address what he needs, it's such a simple thing to just address what the child needs, then the stimulus goes away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But sometimes the thing that I'm focusing on can't like, it can't be put aside or it's not like frivolous. It's like, I'm trying to prepare taxes or something like that. That's like mm-hmm. a bigger issue. And so I, I still have to put things down yeah. and I still have to stop and refocus because if I don't, then I, I get overwhelmed 
and overwhelm turns into anger and anger turns into regret and all these sorts of things. So I know that I have to stop when those little things start bugging me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, what thriving looks like is just it's so moment Mm -hmm. by moment, day by day, family by family. I just think about so many situations where I just feel like I'm cobbling it together at the last minute, whatever it is. And you know what? It's, it's fine. It's just fine. Whether it be a dinner or something I'm trying to do for a friend or even Mm -hmm. a project I'm doing with my kids. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is I'm doing it. And I also was thinking about the relationships aspect too, is in our family with five kids and two adults, I can only be responsible Mm -hmm. for my reaction to things. I can't keep the responsibility of everybody else's reactions onto me and make that my problem. And so as that relates to thriving, I just, I feel like it's such a nebulous thing, but I think we all can probably write down Mm -hmm. five things right now that say, I'm doing a good job at that. I have loved Mm -hmm. this child in this way today. You know, when we really stop to think about it, we can pick out those thriving things. Yeah, and I think so often the negative side of our day is what sticks with us. And yes, why do we do that? I don't know. I think it just, it's what screams the loudest in our minds of, oh, I wish I would have done that differently. Or I just made myself a little list to kind of think deeper about what is resilient life look like? And I wrote down strength, resolve, flexibility, consistency, freedom, finding my center and confidence. And the thing that's interesting about all of those things, which it's not necessarily an exhaustive list, but it's just what came to mind when I was thinking about this, that I think that there are small doses of each one of these things in every day. But because I don't feel this overwhelming sense of I've been so flexible today, or I felt Uh so confident today, that from a bigger picture perspective, it's really hard to lose track of those small details and those small victories and the small um, points of connection that we've made with our kids. And as far as the process of becoming a resilient mom, I just think that is a journey of discovering our inner strength and finding the resolve to keep moving forward even when we have challenges right in front of us. Um, I also think that if we can learn to tune our eyes to see how we are succeeding at the job that we're doing, that it's not just one big pile of failures. It's a big pile of challenges and a lot of those challenges we we have navigated with love and care and concern for our families. And I just think when we can slow down and consider those smaller things that it's easier to deal with discouragement, it's easier to get through the hard part. And so I would love to just talk about an example from today or from sometime recently that you have been resilient? Well, I feel like I'm going through mine right now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's been a lot in my motherhood journey of 10 years where I feel like I've been resilient, but with my five kids now, three of them have had significant challenges with nursing and it's tricky to navigate those waters when people are rightly saying, it doesn't matter. Like, it's okay. You can bottle feed, you can formula feed, you can breastfeed. 
And I believe that I really do. But for me, I just have a really stubborn streak in me that really would like to (laughs) nurse my babies. And so these last three weeks with my littlest one, have been challenging and he's not exclusively breastfeeding yet. Um, I'm still pumping and doing bottles for some of the feeds, but I just feel like uh, what I went through with my fourth baby, which was very similar, pumping bottles, blah, 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 that it has made me know with this one, the fifth one, that I can do this. I'll get through Mm -hmm. it. And even saying the end may be a different choice mm-hmm. and maybe bottle feeding for good. But anyway, uh, that has just really been super duper front and center mm-hmm. for me. When I think of what it means for me to be resilient or an example, I, I, I come up short so many times. And this topic has been such a difficult one for me to wrap my head around because I feel like we've said many times already. Mm-hmm that mom in the trenches and all I can really think about is how I'm going to survive the day. And so when I think Mm -hmm. about resilience, I don't think at all about how, what is that? I just think, I don't, I have no idea what that is on a practical level, Mm -hmm. but I do think, you know, I think like the little things really do add up. And, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I feel like we can't talk about the little things and saying, Maybe resilience is not wanting to gag when your kid is puking or not caring, mm-hmm. not caring about walking around in public with spit up all down your back or whatever things that things that might have might yeah. have been like, oh, I could never do that or something. But it's really just kind of pointing to the strength that you that you just sort of acquire through your years and and your time of mothering and parenting mm-hmm. that you kind of just deal with those things and that's, that can be resilience. And I, Mm -hmm. I think that we don't want to share those little things with people and say, this is an example of resilience because it's not earth shattering and it's not like some big thing that people are going to hang their hat on and say, wow, that's amazing. You know, it's like, I don't care that my kid, I don't gag anymore when my kid pukes. It's like a big, (laughs) that's a big deal. I was I was a kid that that puked like looking at a milk ring at the bottom of a glass like I just gag looking at milk because I don't like milk <laughs> but um like so that's kind of a big deal for me but um it's just we don't want to talk about the little things yeah because they just don't they don't seem consequential yeah I just think as far as resilience I know that it's more of an abstract idea and it's probably a little bit out there for someone who is right now just in the trenches. I just have found it really helpful to think about it a little bit more for myself because I've just been writing about this topic this month to explore it and to see what kind of role resilience plays in my life. And really, I just think that most mothers are resilient without trying, that there is a determination and a tenacity and a commitment to what they're doing to care for their children, that it's not normal for people to invest that much of themselves and sacrifice that much of themselves and to do so out of a heart of love for their children and wanting them to flourish and part of what I've been thinking about with respect to how do I find my way out of discouragement and how do I find my way out of overwhelm and 
the things that I feel like are just weighing heavily on me. And I'm just so motivated to figure that out and kind of put my finger on that because I recognize, especially with my kids at the ages that they're at, my eight and 10 and almost 12 year olds, they are really starting to navigate challenges themselves that are not the, let me put a bandaid on it kind of things. (laughs) And I want to be modeling and giving them the skills for how they can navigate disappointment or navigate the things that they encounter of their own limitations and their own frustrations and be able to deal with those in a proactive and positive way. And I just think that this is another area where they catch from us and they see how we handle things like this more than they will do what we say or, you know, like follow the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the words that come out of our mouths are if they're not matching up with the way that we are living our own lives in real time I think that that's a hard thing to pass along how do I help build their confidence and anyway I just I guess what I am looking forward to with this series on the blog and in our social media spaces this month is just talking about how resilience isn't some lofty, far off goal. That's something that we can pursue and choose every moment, every hour, every day. And one of the most impactful things that has come to mind about this is when you have a day that is going terribly wrong with, I don't know, tantrums and messes everywhere and all that kind of stuff. I just see resilience as being the point at which we change directions that we decide I'm not going to let this day sit on me. I'm going to turn things around. And so I wanted to ask you if there are any things you do to help reset a day if it's not going well. I actually want to hear from you, Emily. What do you do? I I, I mean, you've got six kids and you have so many balls juggling. What? How do you do that? How, how do you change the day? Yeah, and I have to say with this, I have learned that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, so it's not something I feel like I have found the the perfect recipe to you know change the day from a terrible one into a good one. But I do know that it really takes my full investment. I can't just you know, spit out some instructions to a few kids and expect the tone and the dynamic of the day to change that I have to set my phone down or get up off the couch. And usually I turn on some music and I find that for us, the the best way to reset really is to just start by resetting our home, by picking up the messes, by putting the clutter away, by folding the books back and putting them in the homeschool basket. And then I feel like I can move on to something else, whether that's leaving the house to go to the park or, you know, there are any number of things that we might do. I just have to be fully involved in that. And that's such a good point. Like, like so much of it just hinges on mommy being engaged with what's happening. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think too, like I don't put pressure on myself to fix all of the small dynamics. Like there are a couple kids who've just been really at each other lately and I will counsel them. I will separate them. I will give them ideas about how they can work things out, but I can't micromanage every conflict over every Lego, over every, <laughs> you know, like, right. or I'll lose my mind. And so I even though it's really hard to be around their 
bickering. I think that it is serving them better to have the experiences where I have coached one to be kind anyway, even if your brother isn't being kind to you and see how that changes things. And there are times where I just see the lights turn on where they're like, oh, <laughs> like, um, and there's a, yeah. a different way to handle this than, you know, freaking out about it and throwing a Lego across the room or something. As you can tell, Legos are <laughs> the <laughs> center of a lot of our <laughs> frustrations right now. Oh, yes, ma'am. Oh, uh, because, you know, if it's that one special piece that nobody has seen for two months, but somebody found it and all, all of a sudden it's mine. No, it's mine. No, he took it from me. No, he stole it from me. No, and I'm just yeah. like, give me the Lego and let me lose it again for another two months, please. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where we're at with that. But yeah, I think resetting the day really starts with me and me resetting my mm -hmm. own my own intention and perspective and posture towards yeah. my kids for the day. That's great. Yeah, I liked That's how you, so, so how you right. mentioned like being intentional about what you are what you are stopping, like putting your phone down or yeah. putting whatever you're doing down and and engaging mm -hmm. with them. And like Lynn said, being intentional with the time that you're like what you're doing to to combat the problems. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really hard to do sometimes, but it's if I find that if I get down on my hands and knees and start picking up the Legos rather than just barking at the kids to do it, then we all we mm -hmm. all end up doing it, mm -hmm. and it, it gets done faster. It gets done better. It gets done without the headaches. And it's just like let's just stop talking about it, and do it. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. And I think too, one of the things that I wanted to mention before we wrap this up is that for me, being resilient feels like we're floundering. It feels like struggle. It feels like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be on the other side of this hurdle or mountain. But the truth is, is as we journey, as we go through the day, as we move through these seasons of development with our kids where we're navigating with them all of their ups and downs and their challenges that we're doing it. And it's not something that we have to try harder or do more of. It's just really, I think, mindfulness about the influence we have over the dynamics that we we have with our kids and then with each other and wielding that influence with a sense of purpose in helping them begin to connect the dots between their behaviors and the natural consequences that come with them. And I don't know, I just have had this image in my mind of myself in a pool where I just feel like I'm up to my neck and I'm just mm -hmm. panicked and really resilience to me is when I have maybe slipped under the surface and I go down to the bottom of the pool and I push up and I'm moving towards the surface. Mm -hmm. And so I just think of resilience is when we, we have some movement in a positive direction, that that's something that, you know, we're not necessarily saying I'm completely mm -hmm. successful or I was just thinking about how, if we're waiting to feel successful in this role that we are doing every day, that we're going to be waiting a while <laughs> because what we're doing as moms is a long-term thing that yes. almost every bit of what we invest in our kids' lives isn't something that we see the return on right away. And I just think that being able to see ourselves in motion in a positive direction and celebrate that and keep building our own confidence as we mother and as we navigate the different things and hardships that we 
go through that that is resilience. And so those are my thoughts on that. Any last thoughts on this topic? I just want to say to the mom out there who is struggling right now to encourage her that I know that she's doing so many things right. And I am also that mom who likes to focus on that one nasty thing or that one bad interaction and just riff on that. But I know that if you really just look at the whole picture, the whole week, the whole month, you are doing so well. You're just doing so well. I know you are. I'd like to say also to go on what you said about being a mom that riffs on the on the negative things that we do. Yeah. To try and extend the same kindness to ourselves as mothers as we yes. do to our children because we purpose to show our children kindness. And if we could just turn that around and show ourselves the same kindness, I think that mm-hmm. that is resilience. I'm really excited to be welcoming on Mary-Kate Brown. Sarah and I are really overjoyed that you're here with us today, Mary-Kate. Say hello. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you both. Oh, we're so thrilled that you decided to come on the podcast because Emily and I both think it's so impactful to hear real life stories of people and how they encounter hard seasons and more importantly, how they navigate those times. And Mary-Kate, you have such a powerful journey that I know you've shared with us on the Kinder Mom blog and would love to hear more about the significant health challenges you've endured while mothering your young kids. And so if you could just jump in and introduce us to your family and the journey you've been on these past few years. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm Mary Kate and my husband and I, we are high school sweethearts. We live in the Chicago suburbs with our three daughters. And um, right now I'm actually home with them homeschooling. So that's always an adventure. And um, yeah, we're just, you know, enjoying life with little ones running around and never a dull moment for sure. (laughs) So my health journey it kind of started right after I had my second daughter in 2014. She was about four months old and I started just experiencing symptoms I hadn't experienced before. And I wasn't really able to get many answers right at the start of it. I had gone to the hospital for a short time and had some tests done and saw a couple specialists and I didn't really leave with any answers at that point. And, um, you know, I really just expected that it would just be a little bump in the road, no big deal. Mm -hmm. Eventually I'd get better and be back to my normal self. And later on in that fall, after several more tests and just different things with my new doctor, um, I was finally diagnosed with having Crohn's disease. And even at that point, I really did not understand what that meant for the rest of my life. I didn't, it's something I'd heard about before, but I didn't really know that, you know, it would change the rest of my life at that point. I didn't understand it meant lifelong visits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was like interesting. I had a lot of questions for him, obviously, and we were trying to figure out the best plan of treatment at that point. Um, And I just had no idea any of the medicines and just what was normal and not normal. And I just felt thrown into a whirlwind in a lot of ways. And um, he tried a lot of different treatments, just trying to figure out what thing was going to work the best for me. And it was extremely taxing physically, um, emotionally for sure. And it definitely affected just my day-to-day life being on all kinds of different medicines and 
going through it, I just, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't really know it was normal. And it was, it was really hard. (laughs) And how old were your little ones at that time? Yeah. So my oldest daughter was two and my youngest daughter Mm -hmm. was four months when I first started having the symptoms in the summer. So they were little. (laughs) Yeah. And so that means you went through a pregnancy as well at some point with all of this stuff involved. Can you talk about that a little bit? Definitely. So the following year in 2015, um, I found out I was pregnant with my third child. And Mm -hmm. at that point, I'd just been pretty frustrated with some things with my doctor. I didn't realize that the one I was seeing wasn't a great fit for me. And I wish someone was there to tell me like, hey, you should... um, you should go maybe get a second opinion or find another doctor that, you know, you seem to really hit it off with a little bit better. And I didn't, I didn't know that. And I was just so frustrated by all the different medications we were trying out. I felt like a guinea pig. And once I found out I was pregnant, I wanted nothing to do with it. I was like, I have a baby now. And I just, I need to prioritize focusing on my pregnancy. And so I just, I stopped seeing that doctor. And Mm -hmm. one I was pregnant. Uh, I had no symptoms. Pretty much every symptom I had subsided. It went away. And I wound up changing a lot of things in my diet. Um, And even after she was born, I lived symptom-free for over a year. So the pregnancy was great. The year following the pregnancy was great. And it wasn't until just after her first birthday in 2017 that all of a sudden, out of the blue, I was hit with extreme complications And that was probably the most terrifying part of it. So what was it like when that moment came where things had been going well for a while and then suddenly they were no longer going well? Yeah. So we had pretty much just finished up planning that birthday party, that first birthday party for my uh, third child. And, you know, I had been working really hard after her birth to just feel like I was in a good place. Like I was working out about four times a week, you know, really um, mm-hmm. watching what our whole family ate really. And I felt like I was the healthiest like I'd ever been. And so I, one day I had pain in my leg of all places, like in my right leg, I felt like I injured a hip flexor and I thought, Oh, for sure. I just pulled something during a workout and it was just baffling to mm-hmm. me, but it would not go away. And so I decided to sit in a yeah. bath with some Epsom salts thinking like this will help. Well, when I was in the bath, I noticed that I had this, um, large, like bump on the right side of my stomach, like sticking out of my stomach. And I was like, what is going on? I was so terrified thinking like, is this a tumor? What's going on? And eventually, um, after meeting with my doctor and having more tests done, we found out it was a complication from the Crohn's disease. It was an abscess that had developed in my abdomen. And so that was when I was admitted to the hospital and underwent the first surgical procedure, Um, that ultimately failed until they had to repeat the same one. And um, it was all terrifying for me because I had given birth to three children, but I had never had a surgery. So, you know, like I was having, I was having all these things done to my body that had never been done before. And it just terrified me. And it just broke me down physically and emotionally. And um, being in the hospital away from my family was so hard, not seeing my kids, not being able to do anything as a mom, you know what it's like, you are the backbone of the family. (laughs) And all of a sudden I couldn't, I wasn't there, you know? Well, and I wanted to mention that on the blog last week, we featured your essay. And so people can go and read a little bit more about the details of this particular um, period and time of your life. And I just want to ask you about the challenges of 
balancing your health needs and the treatment that you had to go through, the surgeries that you had to have, Mm -hmm. while also your children were there and obviously they need their mama. How did you balance that tension? So yeah, I mean, at that time in our life, our whole entire family, I became the priority. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we have, we're fortunate to live near um, my husband's parents and my parents. And so it was Mm -hmm. easy to call on people close to us when we needed to. And so they got used to seeing daddy home from work a lot and having, you know, grandmas Mm -hmm. and grandpas around and, um, you know, even neighbors that were close to us at that point. And so they definitely missed me. And I think it became eventually it became normal to them that I was in the hospital and that made me sad, you know? <laughs> um, right. Because yeah, being, being there pretty much in a bed, not being able to do anything, being in too much pain, even when they came to visit, it was so hard. I wanted to see them so badly, but three little children in a small hospital room is extremely stressful. <laughs> and so, but by the time they left for a visit, I felt relieved because I felt like I could just relax and I didn't, I wasn't physically tense and in pain from interacting with them, mm-hmm. but then I'd feel horrible because I felt relieved and my kids left and I missed them again. Yeah. So that was really hard for me. And then even coming home and needing to recover um, from the different procedures and the surgeries I had, you know, they definitely learned my older, my older daughters, especially they kind of were able to understand a little bit better that mommy was sick. Mommy needed space. We needed to help out. But my one-year-old, um, just that was so yeah. difficult for her, especially. And understand what you're going through and just knows this is my mama. I need her. Exactly. You yeah, have such young ages. And it makes me think of that whole idea of the oxygen mask that you had to put years on before you could care for your kids. But this is such a unique situation where it really was your own health. And you wrote about it so poignantly on the blog. I would love if we could just pause for a minute. I have a few questions, but just to read the excerpt from the blog so that um, those that are listening can get a little bit more insight into what that season of life was like for you. Yeah, definitely. That was it for me. I couldn't do it anymore. I had spent the past two months allowing these stupid complications from a disease I had no control over dictate how I lived my daily life and how I mothered my children. I allowed it to determine what we did or didn't do when I had a choice because I was so embarrassed and angry. I knew a third and hopefully final surgery awaited me in the next month, and that recovery would take another six six weeks of time away from me spending quality time with and taking care of my children. I had four weeks to prepare for a big surgery. At this point, I was stable, but emotionally depleted. It was the very end of spring, and I was not able to hide any large medical apparatus beneath layers of clothing. My first Sunday back in church after a number of missed weeks, I released everything, My attempt to control the situation, my vanity and embarrassment, my disappointment and anger, and also my self-berating. I stood in the first row of the sanctuary during worship, sobbing with a giant, unconcealable surgical drain hanging from my right hip. The words from my mouth were sincere. So let go of my soul and trust in him. The waves and wind still know his name. Through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, it is well. It is well with me. From that morning on, I refused to let my unfavorable life circumstance get in the way of my life as a whole and my motherhood if I could help it. We spent the following four weeks at the library, visiting parks, running errands, and visiting with friends. My kids and I even made new friends while out and about despite my unsightly but necessary medical accessory. I allowed people to come see me. I allowed them to bring in meals and surround me with prayer. I asked for help with babysitting. It was when I acknowledged that I couldn't hold it all together that things suddenly came together. In a work of grace, this challenging situation worked out for our good right in the middle of the mess. I stopped hiding. I stopped keeping my health a secret. 
I stopped shutting myself and my girls inside in order to save face. I released my control over a situation where I had none to begin with. Oh, that's so powerful. And I know that as mamas are listening, I mean, maybe not all can relate to the exact journey or an autoimmune disease, but just this idea of what traps us in our own homes. You know, we all face different fears, insecurities, and I just thought it was so powerful how you were battling this alone and kind of realizing it was too big for you alone and that God has created us for community and to reach out to that community. So um, I would love, Mary-Kate, if you can take us back to just what are maybe some practical steps. Let's say somebody's listening, they maybe know a friend that's going through some struggles. How can we reach out to those friends in meaningful ways um, to surround them during times when they are just struggling day to day? What did that look like for you then or maybe even now? One of the big things for me I learned was that it was so difficult for me to ask for and even to receive help from people. And I was extremely surprised at the willingness of other people to just jump in and help lighten our load when I finally acknowledged we couldn't do this and that I couldn't just hide myself in my home. And allowing others to just be the real hands and feet of Christ in my life was just the most beautiful thing to see. And people came and they brought us dinners. They ordered us grocery delivery. They would watch my children when I had different appointments to attend to. And people would just even come over in the middle of the week on a night. They'd leave their own families. They'd come see me just to pray for me in person. And just those Mm -hmm. different things like that, that made a huge difference. And the other thing that I really, really struggled with was feeling so guilty for feeling so bad about my situation because I had seen people before walk through like terrible life situations where they're fighting for their own lives or they're fighting for the lives of their very own children. And when I would compare myself to them, Mm -hmm. I thought I had no right. You know, I felt so terrible. And so I wish I just had someone come alongside me and just acknowledge that the grief I was feeling and the pain I was feeling was okay. And that it wasn't fair of me to compare it to somebody else's. When you first had to have the surgical drain put in and how that specifically impacted your story at that time. And I'd love to talk about what changed because you talked in your essay about standing in the front row of church with that hanging off of your hip and how all of a sudden this guard that you had held up was down. And it was kind of I don't know, it's kind of like a breakthrough moment to me in that essay and maybe even in your story as a whole. I'd love for you to talk about what changed from the first place of being a little more guarded and wanting to keep more of your journey private to when you allowed other people in and were more embracing of the journey that you were on. Sure. So to be honest, I was just mortified. I was so embarrassed by having to have this thing attached to my body and I didn't know how long I'd have to wear it. And I was just, the moment I had it inserted, I was ready to have it out. (laughs) And any appointment I had with my surgeon, I was asking, when can you take it out? When can you take it out? And I was just so embarrassed to go grocery shopping. I was so embarrassed to leave my home and I didn't go to church because I just, I didn't want the stares. Mm -hmm. I didn't want the questions. I didn't want people to assume like, the worst, (laughs) and then have to tell my story again and again and again, and then answer everybody's Mm -hmm. questions. And so finally, I just saw how exhausting that was and what a toll it took on me. And instead of just trying to hide it and, you know, keep our situation just, you know, with a few people, I was just like, I can't, 
I can't do it. Like I can't, it was so exhausting to try and just keep it all together and, and handle everything we had to deal with taking care of children and running a home and my husband's not being at work a whole lot. You know, it was just so hard. And finally I was just like, Lord, I don't want to carry the burden of just trying to make it look okay. I just want to give it all up to you. And going through all of this, the two surgical procedures, and then the final and third surgery, which was ultimately um, a bowel resection. It was the first time in my life that I truly just felt in my heart that nothing else mattered. There's a song where they say, um, you can have this whole world, just give me Jesus. And you know, are there words that we say? But I never believed it. I never felt it. And that's all I wanted because I realized everything in my life could be taken away even my health, you know, I was a person who took care of myself. I watched what I ate. I worked out. I was a healthy person. How can my body betray me like this? But when everything went down, I realized, Lord, you really are the only treasure. You really are the only thing worth pursuing. And so I didn't want to work hard to just hold my life together and, and get through it and, and make it look okay. I just wanted to surrender it to him and just say, I'm not going to hang on to this stuff that's fleeting in life. I'm just going to cling to you. Well, and that's so powerful. I mean, we're talking about resiliency and motherhood, and this is so countercultural. You're not saying I worked harder or I pressed through. You're saying I surrendered to my own humanness and weakness and then allow God to step in and then reached out to your community. And I just think that's so beautiful and encouraging to women listening because I think everybody's fighting their own different battles. And, you know, it can be so easy just to think I have to try harder, do more, that mom's doing it and that comparison trap that we can all fall into, but how that's just so not beneficial. And when we release control and really allow those around us to walk with us, that's where the real power lies. And it sounds like that was a real shift in how you were kind of going about your life. Absolutely. And I just think of the words Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 2.19. He says, I will boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And um, I did not feel like boasting in any of it. (laughs) I'll be honest, but just being able to say, hey, stuff is going to happen. Life is going to happen. And um, if I can just not try and take all this control that I feel like I might have, it's just perceived and just say, God, like you're in control and give it up to him. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way. I don't know any other way to get through the tough times other than that. (laughs) Well, and I wanted to just mention that even though your story is, it feels a little dramatic with how much stuff you have gone through in the last couple years. And I'm gripped for that reason, but also that every one of us carries wounds or has things that we're struggling through or working through. And the pain that we experience is not always visible from the outside. Sometimes it is like if you have a surgical drain, but if you are in a position where you are able to conceal and hide your inner life where you're struggling to let people in and struggling for that sense of control, I just find, um, at least in my experience, that part of resilience and what I see in your story that inspires me so much is it's such a physical and practical example of letting go of that control in order to receive something from God in its place, which was, in your case, community coming around you to serve you and to support your family through your healing. And I just, I think it's a surprise to me to consider resilience not as 
you were strong, so you were able to accomplish your own healing, but seeing resilience as something where your courage meets community and that pursuit of the restoration of your health being something that grows in that surrender. I think that's such a lovely picture of resilience as we're talking about that this month. And I want to invite other women who are experiencing hardship of whatever kind of, whether it's medical or emotional or relational things, or, I mean, there are so many ways we experience pain, um, but just recognizing that it's not about trying harder. I think that's one of the things that I just really am bristling against a lot these days of seeing, trying to just power through things. <laughs> I've just learned that powering through does not always get us there, that sometimes it really is pausing and stopping and slowing down and honoring the fact that we are finite beings, that we rely on God for the restoration of our souls in addition to the restoration of our bodies. And I just really appreciate you sharing your story because I think it's a beautiful picture of that in a very practical experience. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share it. I really appreciate that. So there's one other thing that really stood out to me from your story and thinking of resilience as growth that happens in the midst of hard things. I don't know you well, but just what I have seen of your story through your writing and through your sharing today is that strength is not necessarily something that looks a certain way. And I see this in a number of different areas of life where someone will say, oh, you're so strong. And I don't know about you, but I'm I'm pretty quick to feel like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm not strong. Like there are <laughs> things that we experience that someone sees something in us. We don't necessarily see that in ourselves. But I just I think that what I'm most taken with by your story is that coming out of hiding and allowing yourself to be seen, even if you're in a really desperate condition in need of care and support from others, that it's, it, it takes a lot of courage to step out and say, this is where I am and this is what me and my family need. And I would love for you to just share any thoughts you have for women who might be in that place of being afraid that they might be stuck wherever they're at right now indefinitely. Um, do you have any words of hope or encouragement to offer those women? So I would say that one of the big things for me was just not comparing myself to other people mm -hmm. because that was that was huge for me. I mm -hmm. have known people that I even see in church on a regular basis, you know, and some of the life experiences they've gone through and the loss and the hurt and the pain. When I would compare my circumstance to somebody else's, sometimes I would feel like, what is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. You know, and feeling so terrible and feeling like, how does that person walk with so much grace in what they're going through? And I can, I can barely hold it together. And I just would say to anybody walking through something hard, like it's okay to acknowledge that hard is hard and your hard may not be like somebody else's, but that doesn't negate the fact that it's difficult. And I think that if someone were to say that to me, like that I could still grieve with a friend who's walking through something hard, I could still in the middle of my tough circumstance, practice gratitude for the blessings that I do did have in my life and do have in my life during that time while still saying, Hey, this is really difficult and I'm really grieving and I'm really struggling. Like, I feel like there's a place mm -hmm. for all of those emotions and all of those things in the middle of a struggle. Yeah. And so I think just 
telling somebody like, however you feel in the middle of your difficult time is okay. Um, just to give someone permission to feel that way. And then just encouraging them that how surprised I was by the love of people and their willing hearts to just surround, surround me and surround my family and help in practical ways or just give me a hug when I needed it. <laughs> so people are, people are kind and people are loving. And so um, you don't have to hide. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so encouraging. I think so often when we're dealing with something and just really afraid to share, it's that shame that comes in or that fear that you're going to be judged. And, you know, so often it's the opposite when we go to a close, trusted friend and share what's really going on, that they want to receive us and care and know what's going on. And so I just, I love that encouragement yeah. that, um, you know, if, if you, they only knew, you know, what, what would they say? And really so often we are received with love. And um, so that, I hope that that nudge helps those that are listening. And I'm also curious, Mary-Kate, just given your journey, you know, your personal blog is all about choosing grace. And I'm curious now today, because you're living with this uh, you know, Crohn's disease, autoimmune disease. What does it look like each day now to choose grace and trust that God will give you the resilience you need? Have there been changes from your day to day, kind of how you live life than when you think back to the season you went through? So the idea of choosing grace has been one that has just resonated so deeply in me from the time I became a mom, actually, almost six years ago now. And I'm just amazed, like when I was getting ready to launch my blog, I was stumped, like, do I stick with this? Do I stick with this? And I just mm -hmm. thought I was praying about it. And I was like, I can't not because that theme is carried so much throughout my motherhood and my life. Just knowing like that Christ gives us grace freely, you know, it's there for the taking, it's there for the receiving, but we can choose to not receive it. And what a shame that is because it's just such a beautiful thing. And especially now, um, you know, if I have a hard day, which I just thank the Lord that they're few and far between at this point. I can just say, you know what? It's okay if there's dishes in the sink. It's okay if, you know, I need to take a little time today. Like I can just, like, it's okay to give myself that grace that like, I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to be the super mom every day in my life. I don't have to be, you know, perfect. And if anything, I should just be real and genuine with people because if we're all honest, we all have those moments. We all have those days, autoimmune disease or not, we all have those tough times. And so just that idea of giving myself grace to grow and to learn and to just give myself room to be the healthiest mother and woman that I can be is, mm -hmm. is so important. Yeah. I just so appreciate your words and there's so much wisdom in what you've shared today. And I think the thing that you said, Sarah, about, uh, you didn't say this word, but I just, I'm adding this word to the conversation, being vulnerable is what you're describing. And I think vulnerability mm -hmm. just invites people to be a part of our stories in a way that no other kind of sharing can. Like if we're putting our lives out there and all the things that are shiny and wonderful and put together and all the awesome things that we do, I find that people are not always drawn to that as much as they are when we say, this is where I'm struggling. This is what's hard for me right now. And people are very quick to jump in and say, how can I help? Or how can I encourage you? Or how can I walk with you? And I think that's a really uh, amazing thing to just hold in our minds as we decide day to day, how do we live on social media? How do we interact with our friends in everyday life? Will we allow people to be a part of our story and share not necessarily everything, because not everything that we go through is for everyone to know, but 
that even the small things that we do to answer someone honestly when they ask, how are you doing, <laughs> that we don't have to just give the, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> we can give the, you know, it's been a hard week and we can leave it at that. But at least that's an honest and, and a kind of an invitation for them to say, how can I walk alongside you in that? I think that's just a really wonderful part of what you've shared today. So thank you so much, Mary-Kate. You are a wonderful, totally gifted writer. We're really grateful to have your voice on the Kinder Mom blog and now on the podcast. And I just hope that things continue to go well with your health and the things that you've taken from that stretch of time that's been so challenging for your family. It seems like it has brought blessing along with the the hard things that you experienced. And I thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you so much, Emily and Sarah. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to give my story a safe and wonderful place to land. Oh, thanks so much. If you are discouraged, navigating a difficult time, or feeling overwhelmed by the circumstances of your life, you are not alone. Every one of us has hidden or sometimes not so hidden struggles. And like Mary-Kate said, it's neither fair nor productive to compare our pain, struggle, or hardship to others, or to minimize or dismiss how deeply our experiences are for us. You may not be able to escape the struggle, but you do have a choice about how you respond to your circumstances. As Mary-Kate described, I have also personally leaned hard on the grace and provision of God to get me through difficult seasons. There's a verse from 1 Peter that means a great deal to me. It's 1 Peter 5, 6, 7, and 10. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God supplies strength to those who cast their cares on Him. And I think resilience is our cooperative participation in that process. As we yield our worries to His care and take responsibility for our own posture, we can journey towards wholeness and joy in any circumstance. This week on the blog, I will be sharing an essay on this topic, and there are nine things I have learned about becoming a resilient mom that I want to share with you. Number one, resilience is not about results, and it doesn't hinge on the words success, fulfilled, or feeling in control. Number two, resilience often feels like floundering, but just because we feel like that doesn't mean that we are actually failing at this job. Number three, discouragement is not meant to be a default mode of being, but a momentary acknowledgement that where I am is not where I want to be. Number four, resilience is about recognizing the power I have to move myself in a new direction. Number five, resilience is about movement, an expression of inner strength in motion towards freedom from fear and shame. Number six, I cannot become resilient if I am waiting to be rescued from my own responsibilities. Number seven, Resilience requires first being honest with myself, then with others, about my personal struggles, allowing myself to be seen and cared for. Number eight, healthy self-care is critical for becoming a resilient mom. And if you missed the series we did in January on self-care, I am linking that in the show notes for this episode. Number nine, 
It is easier to identify resilience in others than it is to see it in ourselves because the struggle speaks loudly to us, but the strength we exhibit in our lives speaks loudly to others. Whatever challenges you're facing, I hope you invite God into the struggle, and I hope you feel empowered to tackle challenges with a more positive outlook. The truth is, you are already probably more resilient than you realize, and strengthening that muscle will only serve you as you continue on this journey.